So we have um, started a series on grace. And grace and peace in particular are two words that are commonly found together. When you look through Scripture, grace and peace, you find in the New Testament, grace and peace to you, these two words are kind of linked in a lot of ways. You see that all the way through Scripture, you see it in particular in the New Testament. And it's perhaps because when grace is given, I think peace follows right behind it. Grace causes peace and makes it real. I'll give you an example. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we're light today because a lot of our ladies are at the beach, okay? And, and so they're enjoying their time in the sun, but I think it was Friday or Saturday, I think it was Friday, I got a call from Diane, or a text rather. And she, you know, she just loves the beach. She will just go crazy to get to the beach. She like left super early before everyone else to get down there because every moment for her on the beach is just grand, you know. So she went and picked up Angela Lemler, and they took off and they went down to the beach and they were going to get there early and they were going to get food for everybody. And so they stopped, I guess, 15 minutes from the beach at this Lowe's foods, food place to get some of the things that they needed. Go, go down to the beach and they realize when they get there, they're unpacking stuff that the meat for, I guess they were going to make spaghetti, was missing, as well as the bread or something else. So it wasn't just a small, a couple of small items. They needed to go back. So she was irritated over the fact that they had to drive 15 minutes back to the Lowe's to go ahead and, and get you know, the meat and whatnot for the spaghetti. But the problem was, is in her haste to get to Lowe's, she ended up getting pulled over by a cop and got a ticket. So I'm the one that does the finances at the house, and I understand that a ticket means money. I understand that a ticket means raised insurance rates, and she knows that when she used to work for State Farm. She still works for the state insurance agency now, and so I'm sure that as she texted me that, that she was just in angst, thinking, crap, you know, What's Lance going to say? And here I am at the beach, and, and this is not how it's supposed to start out, is it? It's not supposed to, you know, to be stressful. We went there to, to have fun with the ladies, to have a great time together, to grow closer. And, and so she texts me, and, you know, I'm thinking through this, and, of course, I'm irritated. And on the other end, I'm like, are you kidding? But I sent her a text back, and I said, you know what, honey, let it go and just have a good time. And then she just sent me back you know, this text with the smiley face with the hearts in her eyes. I don't know if you've seen that, if you use an iPhone. And, um, and just, she said, you're the best. And I, and I, and I think about that, and, and I'm from both sides of the coin, what that felt like. You know, I had this desire, and I could have, you know, we've had it before. There's, there's two sides of things, giving grace or receiving grace, right? We have the opportunity to give grace in that moment. But what we really want to do sometimes with our children or with our spouse or whatever, our boss or the people under us or any of those situations, we have this need, this, this feeling to, to want to vent, don't we? This inward desire to, to say, I told you so, or what the heck were you thinking? You know this is going to cause our rates to go up. We're going to have to pay, I don't know how much for this ticket. Why didn't you check the bags before you left? Or, you know, whatever kinds of things that you could throw in there. We have this desire, and it's interesting that Justin and I were talking about something the other day, this desire to be right. It feels good, doesn't it, to say, I told you so. It feels good to be right we feel like we have this need to be right. The right to be right. Okay? You ever done that? 
Ever been there? And it might feel good for the moment, but you know what? It just really messes things up. And so I had an opportunity. I could, I could have just laid into her, or I could have given grace. And you think about her side of things. You know, when you get to that point and the blue lights are there and the cop, you know, walks away and you've got this ticket, you, your heart just sinks, right? And you know that you're going to have to deal with it. Paying the ticket, you're going to have to deal with the insurance rates kind of thing. You're going to have to make the, the call in Diane's case to me or let me know what happened. And you're in that point and you look back and you, there's really a sense of helplessness. Nothing that you can do, it's happened, it's over, but, you know, we have this need as well, wondering, we, man, if I, what do I do now? This whole weekend for me is ruined. And there's this desperate need to want to have that grace, because only one person really can fix that. In that case, me just saying a simple text released her from that. Not that I'm all that great. I could have been in the opposite scenario, and I would have been asking for grace from my wife for something. But we, we have that power. I want you to understand that. The, the, the ability to give grace or to just unload, okay? And the ability to, to um, think about being on both sides of that. Grace is important, and grace brings, especially just with this example, peace. And she's enjoying herself having a great weekend. But there are many times that we... That's not how the scenario plays out. And there is a lack of peace, and there's this just dreadful feeling in our lives, and sometimes there are things that we, we just live with, that gut, nasty feeling, not having peace. And so I want to talk about peace today, and the passage that we, we mentioned last week was in Colossians, and I want to pull one particular aspect of that out, and Colossians 3.15, it's talking about grace, but then this has always popped out to me as I've read it. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule. When I met with the guys this past week, we had Bible and Brew, and, and we asked that question, you know, is the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts, if it's not, what is? Because the feeling of the right to be right might feel good for a moment, but it's not the kind of thing you want ruling in your heart. You ever been there before where you just feel angry, feel ready to lash out at people, you know, you've, you've just kind of got this inner, inner turmoil. What God says is to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called we were all called, especially, it says, as one body, as the church, to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our lives. If the peace of Christ is there, it changes everything. From, from tickets on up. If it's a regular practice, if the peace of Christ rules, the thing is that grace that's given, it's not just, in this case, for Diane. It was also for me. Because I didn't want to be stressing out through the weekend, just mulling over and, I can't believe she did this, and we're going to have to do it. You know, and me hanging on to that angst as well, that stress, that, that anger, isn't helping me any either. If I'm not giving grace, I'm not living by peace. That peace is for her, and that peace is also for me. 
What kind of life is it if you don't have that peace? And the kind of life that Christ gives says it should be a life that's ruled, our hearts are ruled by His peace. If our world could just taste this, they could understand the peace that God gives. It's so, so huge. I want to look at some passages on peace then today. The only place that we can learn peace is, of course, I believe, from God, the author of peace. We can only learn it from Him, and the world thinks it understands what peace is. It clearly does not. They're seeking for peace, but let's look at a passage that Jesus mentions here. It's in, he's speaking in John 14, 27. And he's talking about the peace that he gives. And we've looked at this passage before. He says, peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you. Let the peace of Christ rule. As I give you peace. But here's the key thing. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. It says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he gives us peace, but it's not the kind of peace that the world gives. There's a difference there, because his peace is real, it's genuine, it's true, it's lasting. What kind of peace does the world offer versus the kind of peace that God provides? The world's idea of, of peace, as is the world's understanding of love, is oftentimes very conditional, right? It's conditioned based upon if you do this and you, or you stop doing these things, that we will be at peace. It's very conditional upon those things. And what if I mess up? Then the, the peace is gone, right? So... I could make peace with Diane over the ticket situation. I say, okay, that's great. We can have peace as long as you don't ever do it again. Okay. But there's going to be a moment, isn't there? It's the, you know, what if you know, there are other things that you're more prone to fall into that you're still working on? Man, I'm still working on that lead foot. You know, what, what, what is that like when the peace is broken? Okay, and so it's just this conditional peace. And the thing that we've, we've been talking about, about grace and talking about as far as forgiveness is, is it's the, you know, the 70 times 7, as you said, right? Which isn't just 490. It's, it's the aspect of this lasting forgiveness from God. And the same thing that peace is tied into that forgiveness, this once and for all forgiven Thing that Jesus says. All of our sins were future sins, if you think about it, when Jesus died on the cross. It says he died on the cross for our sins once and for all. His view of time is different than ours. We experience it as we go through it. You know, we have past and present and future, but God is above it looking down. When he died for our sins, he died for our sins past present, and future. It's already done. Doesn't mean we have an excuse to go ahead and get ticket after ticket. That grace is there. We learn that in Scripture. That's just foolishness. But the, the peace that God gives is a real and lasting peace. It's not conditional. It's not based on anyone's righteousness but His. 
And guess what? We, we know this. He's perfect. He never sinned. He never messed up. We have his report card, if you will. We have his righteousness instead of our own. So that's the kind of peace that he gives. He always brings a peace that's based on his righteousness. The peace that he gives is a lasting peace, not the kind of peace that the world gives. A huge, huge difference in, in understanding that peace. So what we want to really do today then is to focus on having the peace of God and having the peace of God rule over our hearts for the people we encounter and for ourselves in every scenario. I want to get a couple of the passages that you're going to expect out of the way. First of all, Philippians 4. We're going to, I know that's probably not necessarily in the order back there, guys, um, but Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is a very key verse that, that's huge to me. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about stuff, right? I like the passage of Scripture. I think it's in Matthew 7. It says, what are you worrying for? You can't even change one hour of the day. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It goes on, I take care of you. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. What do you do with the stuff? What do you do with the tickets? What do you do with these things? By prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Are you worried about stuff? Pray about it. And, and you've heard this said before, I'm sure, but it usually ends up being the last thing we do, praying about things, isn't it? Because we have this tendency to want to control, this tendency to want to fix things ourselves. And if we can't fix it ourselves, then we go get help. That's the uh, typical DIY stuff that I'm sure Justin has faced in the past, right? You got someone who's working on, you know, fixing up their house until they mess it up, and then they call Justin when they really need some help because they couldn't figure it out how to do it on their own. I know you. Hopefully, you're doing okay, Jeremy, <laughs> working on that project. Hopefully, you won't have to call in anybody else. But we have this desire to fix things ourselves, and if we can't do it ourselves, then we go to God. That's in reverse. We have to go to him first. And the thing is, is we do it occasionally sometimes. This is, this is meant to be a regular practice. There's no way you're going to have the peace of God. You're going to understand his peace, that his peace is going to rule. You're going to be a peaceful person, a graceful person, unless you are continually taking things to him. Unless you're dependent upon him in prayer. So, if you do these things, if you go to him in prayer, it says in verse 7, the rest of the verse, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You have a peace, and you've heard me say this before, that compared to what the world thinks makes no sense. How can you be happy? How can you be peaceful? We had our gala uh, this past Thursday, and in there, there's a clip of this guy named Spanky, and I mentioned Spanky last week. But there's a clip in there where this guy was homeless, he was on the streets, he was uh, on, on drugs, alcoholic, just, just through the whole gamut of mess. God got a hold of his life, changed his life, and he's got a job and he's on his own. But it's not like the job that you would think, right? You would, you would, you would, how can, this guy's a dishwasher. You think, okay, well, great. Maybe, you know, how much different is this from where I was? You know, how much money could he be making? How happy could he really be? Spanky is, is 
a dishwasher, but he's thrilled to be a dishwasher. He's happy to be a dishwasher. He feels blessed by God to be a dishwasher. And he's not making a lot of money, but it's paying his bills. It's taking care of his needs. And he is just probably one of the happiest people that you will meet. This guy's like joy is infectious. You just be around him. He's just Jesus every, is every other second out of his mouth. He's just got, he's, he's like a light bulb when you meet him. So full of joy, so happy. But it's uh, that, that joy only comes, that peace only, only comes from Christ, and it surpasses all understanding. The rest of the world doesn't get someone like Spanky. How can you be happy being a dishwasher? Aren't you supposed to, isn't the American dream to do this, to go to college so you can make lots of money so you can retire and die after you've played enough golf or whatever? You know? How do you have that joy? It's this peace of God that no matter what the scenario is, no matter what the circumstance is, you have peace because you have one thing that you truly need the most and one thing that you can never lose, and that's the Lord. If you have the Lord, you have everything. If you don't have the Lord, you have nothing. And the thing is, it's free, right? It's free. It's this relationship that he offers to us. But that is truly, when you boil it down, all we need. And if you really understand that, nothing else matters. There's nothing else to worry about. Period. Especially when you have your son delivering hot, fresh coffee to you in the middle of a sermon. Thank you, son. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, I love this, will guard your heart's and your minds. Why does your heart and your mind need guarding? Has your mind ever wandered? You ever started thinking about something that you previously had said, here you go, Lord, I'm not going to worry about it. Then you start thinking about it, and you get stressed out, and you get more and more worried, and, and how is this going to happen? I need my, my, my mind to be guarded from that. I need my heart to be guarded. I have this tendency to, if I'm worried about it, well, then I'm going to get angry about it, too. And that just causes division and problems, doesn't it? The silly example of a ticket, you know? Well, how much could our insurance go up? Okay, we can't afford to blah, blah, blah. We can't afford one more ticket, or we can't, you know? And this really isn't a problem in our household, so don't, don't be talking to Diane about this. This really, for us, is not a big deal, okay? But it's more money. Well, it's this, or it's that, and, you know, and I could take it down a whole road, and then my heart just gets darkened. I could get upset with my wife. I could get ticked off, and there could be a division that results. And this happens in marriages all the time. It happens in, in friendships all the time. It can happen in, in family situations that you deal with all the time. It happens at work. One little thought goes a long way, and then your heart follows, and it messes things up. And so we want the peace of God to rule in our hearts. It's a peace that, that surpasses understanding, okay? But it, it, we need God to guard our hearts and to guard our minds. It's huge. Hebrews chapter 12, this is an amazing verse, verse 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. 
It says this. It says, strive for peace with everyone. And that's key. We're going to come back to that aspect of things, is striving for peace. The goal being peace. Oftentimes, that's not the goal, right? We have, this is really built deep into American culture, and we were talking about it with the guys the other night, this desire for revenge sometimes. Some of the greatest movies are based on revenge, right? William? Yeah. What's, there's one out that's now made its way to the dollar theater. I'm trying to remember what it is. Um, it's an old uh, action flick where this guy goes around and just beats the crap out of all his enemies. Um, gosh, that'll come to me. Revenge is a part of it. It's a seeking out of being right, seeking out of you deserve this. But Scripture says to strive for peace with everyone. And for the, it says, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And this is key. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many have become defiled. So there's this aspect of striving for this peace, that's the goal, but that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. It is our goal for people to obtain and to understand what it means to have God's grace. In other words, it is my goal for Diane, I really wanted her not to have to worry about the ticket. I wanted her to be able to have grace and to enjoy the weekend. That was my goal, not to find opportunities to say, I told you so, opportunities to, to bring her down, opportunities to make the situation worse. See that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Who are people that you see on a regular basis that you can think, of, man, that person really needs to understand the grace of God. That person needs forgiveness. That person needs grace. That person needs love. And if they just had that in their life, how different it would be. We could look at people like Spanky prior to his transformation and we could just point fingers. You're in this situation because you deserve it. That's what, that's what alcoholics deserve. That's what drug abusers deserve. Well, you're on the streets. You know what? It's your own darn fault. Diane, it's your own fault if you just hadn't gone over the speed limit. You've been in such a hurry to get to the beach. You know, it's your own darn fault. But grace changes lives, doesn't it? And he recognizes that. And if they obtain the grace of God, it says, so that no root of bitterness springs up. That's what I was talking about earlier. That there's no issues with the heart. Their relationships aren't torn apart because there's no grace. And roots of bitterness, they grow deep sometimes. And they kind of happen without even realizing it, and they grow stronger. Let me give you an example. I, I, there's an apple tree. It's a young apple tree that I've planted in my yard, not too far from the house. And it's not doing that great, but it's, you know, it's healthy. You know, it's about this tall. It's got, you know, some good branches or whatnot. But, you know, if this podium is the tree, probably like right over here where, where this stand is, 
there's this other bush. And in this bush, there's some kind of vine that's growing. And I don't even think about it, but I've noticed uh, over the last few weeks, I've just kind of watched, there's this vine that's kind of just gently laying on top of my apple tree. And I'm thinking, I really need to cut that vine, because that's probably going to be a trouble, troublesome situation. Probably just, you know. And so it just occurred to me the other day, I was out on the parking lot, or, or in the driveway about to pull off, and I'm like, I'm going to go just take a look at this, and just maybe I'll take my key or something, just kind of bend it, you know, and get it out of the way so it's not going to mess with my apple tree. I'm sure probably there's going to be some issue. But from my perspective, it looked like it was just laying on the top. But as I get over to examine this thing, it literally has already taken segments of this vine and wrapped around and has gripped onto the apple tree. And not just one segment of the apple tree, but in about three or four, so tightly that I couldn't even just pull it loose. I'm going to have to get out there with some snips and actually free my apple tree. And this root, if you will, this branch that didn't appear to be any kind of big deal, all of a sudden is a big deal that could literally kill this apple tree. And that's kind of what this is talking here, is that we can allow the simplest and the smallest of things to kind of grow up, and this root of bitterness takes hold. And if you have a bitter and a, and a, uh, uh, that, that bitterness in your heart, it takes over and it begins to strangle those around you, and it begins to strangle your own heart as well. And that's why when we looked at that verse in Colossians last week, sometimes that looks like a fairyland to us. How can I really be a joyful, happy, loving, kind, you know, forgiving person? How can I have a heart that's ruled with the peace of Christ? Some of us have so much anger built in, so much bitterness built in on the inside that we, we don't even know how to love. There's a guy in our program as well that's in the video that I was talking about. His name is Rocky, and, and Rocky, people noticed it from the outside. They're Rocky, and he's, he's like, I didn't know how to be compassionate. He said, people told me, he said, Rocky, you don't even know how to love. You see people sometimes from a distance, you can see the anger on their face. You can see the hurt on their face, and, and the peace of Christ, when it's over someone's life, you just see it. Moses, there was a period of time, it says that he would go in and he would meet with God in what was called the tent of meeting. He would go in and, into this tent and he would be with God for, for who knows how long and then he would come out. And after a while, it says that he came out and all of a sudden Moses' face glowed because he had been in the presence of God. And the rest of Israel was kind of freaked out by it to the point that he ended up wearing a veil for a little period of time. But being around God changed him, literally, physically. And I believe that, that that peace of God in our hearts, people see it. They sense the spirit about you, kind of like a, a cat can tell from a distance, right? Whether you're, you're going to be loving or a threat. They just sense it. They just know it, don't they? So strive for peace with everyone. Don't let that bitterness wrap you up. Let's look at a couple more passages. One, one real quick from Isaiah. Isaiah 26.3. It says that you keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. A mind that's set on God brings peace. It brings perfect peace. Knowing again that if you have him, you have everything. Isaiah 26.3. Let's move on to another one. James chapter 3. This is a really neat verse. It says this, it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, not the heart we've been talking about earlier, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above, from God, right, is, is first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And this is the key verse I want you to focus on. Verse 18, it says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Righteousness is directly tied to peace. If you're a, a peace-loving person, if you are a peacemaker, if, if God's peace rules your heart, it says that you will have a harvest of righteousness. And it makes sense. I might have to pay a little bit more for insurance and tickets and stuff. But I tell you what, my relationship with my wife when she comes back, it's going to be closer. It's not going to be further. Sharing the peace of God brings, brings a closeness. It brings a harvest of righteousness. Having the peace of God in, in our relationships, in our, in our work situations, in our family situations, and all that fill-in-the-blank kind of stuff will create a harvest of righteousness. If I have the peace of God, to use the old tired illustration I know of me driving, if I have the peace of God, then there's going to be a righteous fruit of that. I'm not going to be yelling at cars as I drive down the road. I'm not going to be arriving to work angry even before I get there. I'm not going to get tickets if for some reason I decide to get around someone I consider a jerk, you know, getting wrecks, who knows what. There's a harvest of righteousness for those that exhibit peace. That's huge. Let's look at one final verse today and we'll be done. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him, what? Seek what? Seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you want to have, I love this, if you desire, whoever desires to love life, do you desire to love your life, to love the life that you have, to love life and to see good days? That's pretty obvious, right? Everybody wants to have a good life. Everybody wants to have good days. Everybody wants to have a good time, joy, love, peace, all these kinds of things. If you desire to do that, it talks about keeping your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit, turning away from evil, doing good. But then it closes it out by saying, let him seek peace and pursue it. It's just a reminder this morning that as we leave, as we consider having the peace of God to rule, that it's something we have to seek. It's something that we have to pursue. You don't stumble across peace. You can probably think of one relationship in some fashion in your life now that you need to pursue peace with. I, I can already think of one. Am I just hoping for peace or am I an active participant in pursuing it? Where are you with that? We don't, God's not just called us to sit back and hope for peace. He's called us to be peacemakers. He's called us to have hearts that are ruled by his peace. He's in charge of our hearts, right? It's a big difference there. Would people say you're a peacemaker? People say you're a peaceful person. Ask some folks around you. Because if you're not, they're not going to tell you. Because they're probably afraid to get in that kind of conversation with you. Pursue peace. Go after it. Work for it. For that person and for you. Because, again, that peace, that peace is tied to grace. We are experiencing what we're talking about giving right now from the Lord. The peace and the grace that we have received comes from Him. He is our example. Look at the story of Christ and you don't find an angry individual. You find a loving one. find one full of peace kindness, grace. That's what we see. And that's what we're called to, not only to receive, again, but to give. As we mentioned last week, we all love to receive. We have no problem receiving forgiveness and grace and peace. But we don't like giving it out to everyone else so much. We'll take it and we won't complain about it. We sure the heck don't want to give it sometimes. Just stand with me and we'll pray. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we want to have hearts that are peaceful hearts. Hearts that are at rest. Lord, hearts that, uh, that are controlled by peace, that are at peace. Lord, uh, it's, it's so tied to grace, to forgiveness, 
to love. Lord, today we, we consider our hearts as we stand before you. And Lord, we ask that, that we would be people where you rule our hearts with peace. Lord, that we would be people that not just receive peace, but give peace. Lord, that pursue it. And we realize how important that it is to represent you well in this way. Help us to be graceful, loving, forgiving, peaceful people. <clears throat> Lord, our, our lives today, our, our family, our friends, our co-workers, Lord, we, we give those relationships to you. And Lord, we pray for healing in those relationships. We pray for peace in those relationships. Lord, let it be said of us that we are a tender-hearted, loving, peaceful people. When people uh, encounter us, that they, they really see a difference. They see the kind of peace that you give rather than what the world gives. Lord, thank you for this morning and... Thank you for loving us and forgiving us of our sins and giving us new life. And Lord, let us not take that for granted. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.